Hello and welcome to the Mariner's Library with me, Chris Stanmore Major. In this episode, we're continuing the anthology White Cell Shaking, edited by Ira Henry Freeman. This is the ninth part of the reading, and we're on story eight. And if you haven't already, please consider going over to patreon.com forward slash the Mariner to help support the podcast, or you can check out the Mariner podcast with all things sailing and seamanship each week, or of course, the Mariner YouTube channel where you can see gear reviews, how-to videos, and me engaged in expeditions and projects all over the world. Now on with the story. 8. How Rugged Can You Get? by George Dibbon Iron rusts away quickly in salt water, but the iron in a man's soul, if he have any, is only strengthened by the sea. George Dibbon, then 41, and his young nephew deliberately tested the metal within them, by a hellish voyage of 3,200 miles north from Balboa in the Canal Zone to San Francisco. These two bucko shipmates were 101 days at sea, half of that in the doldrums and 33 additional days beating to windward on the same tack. Their food ran out before the finish, the sails were ragged, and both men fell ill of fatigue and malnutrition. Nevertheless, After their triumphal entry into the Golden Gate, they sailed their 32-foot double-ended yawl, Tirapunga, on to New Zealand. Subjecting himself to the terrible ordeal seemed psychologically necessary to Dibbon to re-establish his self-esteem and allow him to overcome a guilt complex created after leaving his unhappy wife and children in Germany. August 27th, latitude 31 degrees, 52 minutes north. Today we have seen the sun between the eternal clouds and at the right time to find our latitude position. Our old girl is taking care of herself, so we play cards, which eases the mate's nerves. I really loathe cards, so useless, I'd rather sit on deck, which is the reason why I have never let the boat steer herself up till now, although we could have left her alone long ago. Otherwise, it is always the same. No ships, no fish, up and down, up and down, and once more, up and down. But all will come to an end in time, and so will our provisions. We can't light the kerosene lamps any more, as we need to keep the fuel to be able to make hot drinks on the stove. We do keep a little reserve for the running lights, if we ever approach land again. August 28th, latitude 32 degrees, 55 minutes north. There is no end to the miracles. We have seen the sun once more. Hard squalls. I only wonder where all the wind comes from. We put a reef into the trysail, and then later reefed out again. Today the mate secretly pushes half of his hard tack over to me, the good fellow, but one mustn't notice it, otherwise he becomes wild. We still have a few dried fish, and the Admiral is stirred to remarkable activity whenever one of us comes close to them, for daily he gets a little peace. The rest of the day he eats cockroaches, which are so weary that they can't run any more. We use just enough water for drinking and cooking, less than a gallon a day. Our custom is to wash ourselves all over with salt water, using salt water soap, except when it rains heavily, when the mate goes on deck with a cake of ordinary soap. It's too cold for my liking to stand naked in the wind and rain to wash myself, so I prefer to remain a pig. August 29th. Today I call to the mate, Black Cloud, which generally means rain. 
He looks up and disappears, soaps himself and comes on deck. The cloud comes, the cloud is above us, drip, 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 the cloud is gone. And there he stands, in his soap, cursing by the mile. I thought you said rain, he finally growls at me. Nothing of the kind, I answer with a touch of malicious enjoyment. I said, black cloud. You are too hasty. I was taught to be cautious. But he has to have a little fresh water to get the fresh water soap off, as salt water makes it greasy. August 30th. No change. The sky overcast, the sea bleak, grey mountains. Four times a day we have hot viticosa, once tea, twice half a piece of hardtack, and every 24 hours, one meal. Do you think that's too much to keep our slim figures? September 1st, course 113 degrees. A new month. This damn sail manoeuvring makes us hungry, and I am slow as a cockroach. I pity the poor little things now. The mate gives them no more provisions. Make better wind, he says, and I'll give you half a piece of hardtack more. What's the use of you anyway? At last, a course for the coast. If this wind lasts, we should be there soon. September 2nd, latitude 35 degrees. I have a pain in the small of my back from sitting in the cockpit, cold. It's a beastly seat, this. I never have liked it. One always needed a lot of cushions to be comfortable, and now when everything is wet and the boat full of motion, the combing always hits the small of my back. My teeth also begin to ache. If they get worse, it will be a nice picnic. I have no forceps, and with the exception of aspirin, luminol and pyramidon, no dope. Still, it is still bearable. Why worry? We were two months and three weeks at sea. Wind north-north-east, course 113 degrees. Wind increasingly going to north-east, course 124 degrees. The mate is asleep. We should go on the other tack, but if I do it now, he will wake up and turn crazy. Good God, it's starting to blow. Bang! Top shroud on port broken. I go on starboard tack. The mate comes on deck, grey and haggard. All he says is, We are spared nothing. Hurrah, I call. Boy, we are getting plenty of experience. He looks at me compassionately. We repair the thing with a chain, as we have done on starboard earlier in the trip. September 3rd, latitude 35 degrees 41 minutes north. Again, the usual water mountains, grey weather, cold with squalls and the mate completely worn out. Today he says, I've cursed, I've growled, I've used all languages, I've cried, I've prayed, and it doesn't alter anything, not a bit. What in all the world is a man to do? Well, laugh, I say. He looks at me. I don't know what to think of you. Either you are a remnant of a race now defunct, or you're a sample of a new one. In any case, your place isn't among normal people. You're a museum piece. Your thinking doesn't belong in this world. And that you never get wild is a hundred times worse than calm or anything else. And then he disappeared. Well, this is sport, I say down the hatch. What you have been used to calling sport was in fact only physical exercise. We have to go a lot further north yet, for we must find the westerly wind before we can go east. The mate's knee is full of boils. I have pains in back and teeth. September 4th. Always grey, grey and cold and squally. I think I noticed northwest squalls coming up. The wind is becoming lighter. 
short calms alternate with squalls. We have two tins of dog food which Doe gave to Sniffy and we wonder if we should eat it and let Sniffy starve or feed it to Sniffy and put him in the pan in the end. Well, we open one tin and give him a little and with the advice to grow nice and fat. The mate cannot walk for his knee is in a terrible state. All day long we make wet packs. I have the wind up. I hope there will be no blood poisoning. We do not expect to meet ships, so I leave the old girl to herself and play cards with the mate and cook according to his directions. I do a little cleaning up and find a bag of dried peas, which apparently has been on board since Gibraltar. I soak the peas, but they do not get any softer, so we eat them hard. We both feel like a baby's rattle, but they have to be eaten. We are 33 days on the wind now, almost the whole time, with only very short exceptions, on the same board. Four weeks and five days leaning over on the same side. Holy sea cat. September 5th, longitude approximately 134 degrees. I remember the old square rigger days and the cook putting soda into the peas to soften them, but it doesn't make any difference to our peas, though it does to our stomachs. Then I have a glorious idea. I take the old mocha mill, the Turkish coffee grinder, and start grinding the peas. I'll get the bloody thing soft, but they are not crisp and soon clog the grinder, so every few turns we have to take the grinder apart and clean it. Day and night somebody is turning the mill. We get warm soup twice a day now. The mate's leg is very bad, but he is full of cheer and says, Well, you have a razor. That'll cut the thing. And besides, one doesn't always need two legs. One can jump around on one. A wooden leg can be very useful. You can hammer a nail into it or hang your hat on it. And besides that, you can't get it jammed. And if you kick somebody in the behind with it, well, he feels it. A wooden leg is a boon. It is getting rougher again and squally. September 6th, 37 degrees, 33 minutes north, 130 degrees, 30 minutes west. I risk setting the mainsail, but no sooner is it set than it tears and has to be patched. Oh, Lord, what a joy. Otherwise, the same weather. Provisions soon finished. Water, rusty. Kerosene, only a little left. Mainsail, a rag. All shrouds and stays broken. Covers over the skylight and hatches gone. Paint, oil, varnish, eaten up by sun and salt. All the iron rusty. Boils, toothaches, backache. And down below, everything wet and mildewed. About 20 days ago, or was it some other age, we dreamed of eating a whole goose when we would come on shore and ice cream. Today our dream is a real good steak, smothered with onions. Well, that's the mate's best desire. Mine is sour herring, pumpernickel and cheese. The beautiful pumpernickel we bought at Panama has gone to sleep long, long ago. 86 days at sea and not there yet. Who knows what it is good for? Daily we turn ourselves warm on the pea mill. Clouds and swells come from the west-northwest. September 8th. Latitude doubtful. Longitude 129 degrees 15 minutes west. A repetition of yesterday's weather. Very rough sea. We sail under reef trysail only. The mate sits every day with the dividers in his hand in front of a chart, just as if it would help. If he finds he has anticipated more than we really have done, then dividers, charts and triangles fly in all directions. 
Our course on the chart looks like the steps leading up the mountain to a Buddhist cloister in Tibet. Every day a step, every so-and-so many steps, a place of prayer and meditation. For us, always bad weather and a heaving too, combined with curse explosions of the mate. Every now and again little crosses outside the path of the steps where the mate buried his hope with tears and desperation. What a pity I cannot help him. September 9th. 36 degrees 51 minutes north, 128 degrees west. Foresail furled, storm jib used as storm forestaysail and trysail reefed. Sea rough, squall strong. I don't want to heave too, for I cannot afford to lose any of my northing, but the sea becomes very high and squalls reach gale strength. We take away the storm jib and sail only under reefed trysail and reefed storm mizzen, Almost hove too, but we stand and do not drift. Squalls stronger than nine. It is heartbreaking. We fight for every square inch of canvas. Again and again we try to set a little rag as forestay sail, but it is impossible, for as soon as we make any way, she almost slogs to pieces. The sea is so steep that we nearly stand on end, and when we go down the hill, I have to hang on to the mizzen so as not to be thrown out of the cockpit. We can only stare and wonder that we haven't broken to pieces. Any four canvas is impossible. The mate has now deducted the last half piece of hardtack. So soon we will have only fried hope and dream gravy. Sniffy looks tensely into the water, but there are no fish. There are no ships. Our water is dark brown from rust, which at least puts iron into the blood. The mate says... Sometimes I admire your optimism. You truly seem to believe that we shall see land again. We are like two idiots on a plank in the ocean, and I am surprised that I still let you live. September the 10th, 36 degrees 54 minutes north, 127 degrees west. Really, when I think of sailing such a long way with a cradle like ours, through hell and damnation, and 33 days on the wind like the old square riggers, well... It seems cheeky. The mate's leg is much better, and today we have a surprise. Out of joy, he has looked into every nook and corner, and the result is a pudding. Rum pudding, he calls it, and that I may not think that he is lying, he has placed a printed label, rum essence, on top of it. What is it made of? Well, washing starch, forgotten by dough, boiled with the swillings of an old honey tin, and added to it the label and two drops of rum essence. Oh, it tastes beautifully of nothing, and has a blue-grey colour, and is delicious. The mate says, As soon as we see the Farallons, we will open the last tin of salmon. I run on deck and cry, Oh, I can see them! You are short-sighted, you are blind, you can see nothing, not even when you run your nose against it. How hard, how like flint the mate can be. It starts to blow hard. Very fierce squalls, very high seas. September the 11th. Howling squalls, all sails furled. We are hove to and drift towards south-southeast. The mate says meekly, I don't even curse any more. We found a tin of frankfurter sausage. Now we have pea soup with two sausages in it. Isn't that a miracle? September the 12th, 36 degrees 38 minutes north. Three months at sea. Very high seas with heavy breakers. Pea soup with sausage water. Ha! Beautiful. We extend the dinner over two hours. 
so that we only need to wait 22 hours for the next meal. The mate doesn't believe we will ever see land again. September the 13th, 36 degrees 36 minutes north. Enormous seas, heavy breakers. We bring our sea anchor over the stern. The mate says, California has sunk into the sea and this is the Sierra Nevada over which we climb. September the 14th, 94 days at sea, storm abating. We take in the sea anchor, set the mizzen, trysail and a reefed foresail. September 15th, calm. We see a shark. I bet the mate we are in the steamer track. September 16th, 36 degrees north, 125 degrees 30 minutes west. I call the mate. There's a Matson liner, Honolulu, San Francisco run two miles east of us. He will not believe it. Finally, he comes on deck and rubs his eyes. He shakes his head. How on earth is that possible? Says he. September 17th. We set mainsail. We must be coming nearer to the coast for the water is getting green. We set the balloon. Only a short joy, just a little manoeuvre. Now it's squally again. We sail under trysail, foresail and storm mizzen. September 18th. 37 degrees, 32 minutes north. We have to reef the trysail, very hard squalls. We reef the storm force staysail, steep breakers. We aren't in port yet. We bail out three bucketfuls of water. The squalls are nine to ten, heavy breakers. We bring out a sea anchor and oil bags. 98 days out at sea. Good God, it is hardly describable. So big, so long a life it seems. One has to live it to realise it. One is a freebooter, king of the sea, as they were in the olden times when they waited for the satisfied fat pepper bags and boarded them in a storm. Those buccaneers who were still wilder than the storm. The storm and the sea were their brothers, and they have become mine now. September the 19th, 37 degrees 11 minutes north, 122 degrees 30 minutes west, course 035 degrees. We take in the oil bags and sea anchor and bail out five bucketfuls of water. Ninety-nine days at sea. If we had provisions, I could turn right around and sail back again for Panama. Everything is wet and stinks. What does it matter? We have lived. Two hundred days at sea. Three hundred will be nothing in future, for the physical has nothing new to give us. This was a life, a development. When will there ever be a greater one for us? September 20th. Get up, get up, it's your turn on the tiller, the mate calls. It is four o'clock in the morning. He welcomes me with a cup of hot viticosa and added to it two pieces of fried hardtack. He has lit the lamp and opened the last five tins. One of salmon, two of sardines, one small tin of lobster and one of prawns. Terrified, I jump up. He's gone mad, is my first thought. He seems to read it in my eyes and laughs. I rush on deck. Montara Lighthouse. It is east-northeast, 12 miles off, course 035 degrees. That isn't bad navigation after three months and eight days out at sea, 50 days without seeing land. We look like pirates, beachcombers. I wouldn't like to meet myself at night. But what does it matter? I dress and rush on deck and cry because everything that has been great and strong and beautiful is at an end. What a pity, what a pity. One hundred days at sea. No, I say, one hundred and one, to show that as far as I am concerned, it could march on into a new hundred, on and on. 
At ten o'clock, we sail through the Golden Gate. The Golden Gate. I feel unbelievably strong and happy. Well, that's all for today. I hope you're enjoying the story so far. The next instalment will be available in the Mariner's Library shortly. And remember, of course, you've got all the content over on YouTube and the Mariner podcast. And of course, Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the Mariner. But for now, wherever you are and whatever you're doing, I hope that you're safe and sound. And I look forward to speaking to you in the next one. Cheers. Cheers.